You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. All right. Well, thank you, Robin. Uh, if you're wondering who I am, uh, my name is Ben Anderson. I'm one of the associate pastors here at the church. Um, my lovely wife, Sarah, and our, we have three kids. Uh, we've been attending here for about 11 years, uh, but have been on staff for almost three uh, as part of the team here. Uh, Pastor L sends his greetings. He says hello. Um, he is actually traveling back from visiting with uh, his family over the Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, so that is where he is today. I did talk to him this morning, and he wanted me to share some things with you. I said, I can't do that. But he said, Ben, a tale of two finishes. How would you know how the football games would end up yesterday? I said, well, I didn't. It has nothing to do with football, but everything to do with Jesus and Scripture, and it's going to be a good morning. Uh, but he says, hey, and he'll be back next Sunday. I don't know about you guys, but... As we near the end of the year, it always becomes a time of reflection, a time where I think back on the past year or past years, even back to the beginning of my life, and I start to think about, you know, what went really well this year? I also think of maybe the not-so-good things, right? You know, what didn't go so good? Where did I, you know, fall short of giving glory to God? Where do I need to improve? All those types of things. And where do I need to change uh, for this coming year? Uh, One of the things I was reminded uh, not too long ago is that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to live with the finish in mind. We need to live with the end in mind so that when we get to the end of our life, we can hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, Even in the book of James, uh, there's a passage in there that talks about that everything that we say and everything that we do, we should do in light of that coming judgment. And it's really easy for us as Christians to forget that we're called to live with that finish in line, or with that finish in mind. It's really easy to forget that as we get going about our daily lives. I've been reminded about finishes for a long time. I've known my wife, Sarah, for 18 years. I know we don't look much older than 18. Well, we probably do now after kids. But for 18 years, we have been going to run races. Well, actually, let me back up a little bit. Sarah's been going to run the races. I've been going to cheer her. I always get a coffee and donuts and The cheering section is so, so important with races. But one of the things that I have observed over those 18 years of watching Sarah run these races is that the finish is more important than the start, but what you do along the way is so, so, so important to that finish and the result uh, that you want to get. It would be really easy for, I'm not a runner, but after observing Sarah, it would be really easy for her to run and get excited and to high-five everybody and get caught up in the moment without staying focused on the course ahead. But I've seen her run many, many races, everything from 5Ks to the Boston Marathon. We were recently uh, down in Columbus. But that determination and that focus and everything that happens along the way is what gets you to the finish line. 
But how you start the race is not as important as how you finish it. Another way of saying that is where you are right now in life is not as important as where you are going to be. Staying faithful to the finish is a very hard thing to do, especially in today's culture. What we're going to do today is we're going to look at what I call a tale of two finishes. Like I said earlier, it's not about any football game, but we're going to look at two individuals in Scripture that had two very drastic finishes, two finishes that looked completely different. You know, both of these heroes of the faith are bold. Both were chosen by God. Both contributed to Scripture in very significant ways. Both are human. Both have sinned, and they did terrible things. But God used both of these individuals to literally change the course of history. One was a king of Israel. One was the primary author of the New Testament. You can probably get where I'm going here. Yet both of these individuals had radically, completely different finishes in the race that we call life. And there's a lot that we can learn from the finishes of both the Apostle Paul and King Solomon as they follow God's plan for their life, or on the flip side of that, as they did not follow God's plan for the life. But as we look at the finishes of both Paul and Solomon, I want us all to think and pray about how are we training ourselves in the faith to finish well? And how are we training ourselves in the faith to follow God's plan for our life? Not in the future, but now. So what we're going to do over the next few minutes is we're going to do a quick overview of both Solomon and Paul and then look at three different things we can learn uh, from their stories and their finishes. So let's talk about Solomon first. So Solomon gets off to a really, really good start. In Proverbs chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, uh, this is a passage where Solomon is actually reflecting on his time as a little child. And he says, when I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. And it's interesting here, just to kind of help set the stage a little bit more, Solomon's parents are David and Bathsheba. And from early on, David kept kind of drilling into Solomon hey, you need wisdom for life. You know, you need to listen, you know, to what I'm telling you, to what others are, are telling you. You need wisdom. You need to get insights for this thing called life. But let's fast forward a few years in 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about this. But this was when Solomon was a little bit older, probably around 20 years old. And he has this dream that literally changes the course of his life. And some of you are probably familiar with it. This is where God appears through this dream and says, ask what you wish me to give you. And Solomon asks exactly for what his parents have been training him for. And that is for wisdom and understanding. And this is about when he's king and he wants that wisdom to lead well. And he gets that divine wisdom. 
But his story begins to unfold over time. You know, when he's young and first married, uh, he writes the Song of Solomon, right? He's passionate, he's excited, he's like, life is great. You know, as he gets older, we see more of that wisdom coming out. You know, he pens and authors uh, proverbs and passes on that wisdom. But a lot of things happen between then and that finish. Then we come to Solomon's final words uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes, and we see what Solomon's finish looks like. So I want to read those for you. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, the first uh, three verses. It says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Then let's kind of skip to the very last chapter. This is the uh, 12, verse 13. But during the middle there, you know, we have those two bookends of these uh, scriptures we're reading, but throughout the book, he's writing about how his human wisdom, how his human wealth, how his human power, how everything that he's collected and everything that he has, everything that he has accumulated is pointless. He talks about how it's all meaningless, everything from a human perspective. Then we get to Ecclesiastes 12, 13. And it says this, the end of the matter, after he's written about all this stuff and he's pondered life, says that the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. So here in this passage, we have Solomon and it's his end of life. He's reflecting. And it wasn't till the end of his life that he realized this very simple statement The only things that matter are those that accomplish God's purpose in life. Well, God still used Solomon in a great way. Much of his life was spent pursuing things, pursuing the wrong things and things that were outside of God's purpose uh, for his life. So there's the first story, or there's the first tale. And then let's uh, jump over and talk a little bit about Paul. So then we have Paul. His start was a little bit different, right? So if we go back to when the story starts, Paul was actually, he wasn't Paul, right? His name was Saul. And we know that Saul was a persecutor of the church. And you could probably say his start was a little bit of a false start, right? It wasn't according uh, to the kingdom of God. It was not pursuing that kingdom. Um, Acts chapter 8 opens with Saul approving of Stephen's execution or his death. You know, while all the Christians and followers of Jesus were actually mourning his death and uh, they were burying him, Saul, I keep saying Paul, but Saul at the time, he was off on a rampage. Acts 8.3 says, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. But I think we all know that is actually not the end of Saul's story. You know, in Acts chapter 9, we see this awesome thing happen. You know, Saul is traveling on the road to Damascus, and he meets Jesus Christ in the road, and this radically changed his life as Saul is converted. It changes his whole trajectory Um, After this, he changed his name to Paul. And in Galatians, we actually see that, you know, Paul goes off 
uh, to study in Arabia for three years just to hear the revelation from God and to get uh, insights. And then the rest of his life is spent sharing these revelations and everything that he has learned during this time. But Paul has many ups and he has downs and he has valleys and highs and everything in between. And then we get to Paul's final words. And his famous last words, you guys are all going to recognize them, but they are the complete opposite of what Solomon said. If you guys want to turn to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, uh, we'll take a look at his last words. This is 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. And Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Hence, Fourth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who had loved his appearing. So these were some of the last words of Paul, and even just to set the stage just a little bit more, you know, he was in jail or he was in prison at the time where, you know, he wrote these and he realized his last days uh, we're right around the corner. And actually, in the verse right before that, in verse uh, 4, 6 there, it says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. I mean, he had poured his passion and his purpose and was committed to Jesus Christ. And, you know, through being in prison, he was getting tired and worn. And so he says this at the very end of his life. He is realizing that death was coming fast and just around the corner. But the question that I want us to look at this morning is what is the difference between these two men of faith and their finish? You know, what happened along the way? We know, you know, from observing Sarah run all these races that a lot can happen from the start to the finish. And how you run when you set out on the course is so, so important to how that race finishes But all of us are in this race called life. You know, some of us, we're just starting. We're on the younger end of the spectrum. Some of us have been around, even around Lima Baptist Temple for years, and we're approaching that finish. And then there's the rest of us that are in the middle. You know, we're dealing with kids and life and all the craziness that comes with that. So we're all at different parts, but there's so much that we can learn from these finishes. But there's many different comparisons that we can make. And I would actually encourage you guys, we're going to talk about three this morning, but go back and study this because there's so much that can be revealed about this. Before we dive in, I do want to say, whenever we talk about characters of the Bible and we go through these things, you know, we do not have the strength on our own to change. You know, change only happens when we grow spiritually with the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, And just like we sang about, you know, we have that same power in us that raised Jesus from the dead, and we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. So keep that in mind as we talk about these different characteristics this morning. But the first thing that we can learn from the finishes of Solomon and Paul is contentment leads to a strong finish. Contentment leads to a strong finish. You know, contentment is something that we Americans struggle with a lot. I mean, just think about this last week, you know, Black Friday and some of the days after are the biggest shopping days of the whole year. And then we have the Amazon day and all of that. 
you know, as soon as we wake up in the morning, you know, we see commercials, we see social media, we see the news, we see all of these things that are pulling us in the direction of more. And I think there's a lie out there that says in order to live a blessed life, we have to have more stuff. We have to have more money. We have to have a more square footage in our house. We have to have a nice car, nice clothes. You know, whatever the case is, it looks different for different uh, people. And Satan doesn't even have to work too hard. I mean, we just stay in our flesh in this. He doesn't even have to work hard to tempt us in this area. We simply get distracted by stuff, and we aren't content. You know, I believe the American dream or the American definition of success really distracts many well-intentioned believers today. And guys, I want you to understand, I say all of this as somebody who is a recovering American dream addict. You know, I say this as somebody who is a recipient of God's grace in their life because I can't tell you how much time and how many years I have spent pursuing more. More money, more popularity, more house, whatever it is. My wife Sarah can tell you. But I have, because of God's grace in my life, I've been able to, you know, tackle some of this. You know, I when I first started out in my career in insurance, you know, I thought, oh, when I make 100000 everything will be good. I will be content. But guess what? I wasn't content. I thought when I hit 200000 I would be content. Guess what? I wasn't content. I thought when I got a bonus of 100000 I would be content. Guess what? I was not content. And as they went up from there, I was never content with more. And I realized this statement, if the bulk of our time is spent maintaining our version of the American dream, then we probably have an issue with contentment. Uh, but just remember, guys, I say all of that as somebody who struggles this, with this myself. But during this race called life, Paul found the secret to being content while Solomon searched his entire life for contentment, for purpose. But Paul found it. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Again, these are going to be familiar verses. But Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him, you know, who strengthens me. So Paul is writing here, and, you know, the, uh, this church, uh, the Philippian Christians had given him, you know, money for what, for his work, right? And he reminds the church that, hey, my changing circumstances don't affect my inner self. They don't affect my inner contentment, that I'm able to enjoy. You know, Paul was able to be content and calm and accept whatever life threw at him because of the strength and the hope that Jesus provides. Whether he was living in abundance or whether he was living with absolutely nothing, he had Jesus Christ, and that strengthened Paul to be content in every single situation. So let's look at, on the flip side of that, Solomon's words. So Solomon's words were the exact opposite Ecclesiastes 2.10, 
And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. You know, from the American dream standard, Solomon literally had it all. He was the richest man. He was the most powerful man to ever live in Jerusalem. You know, he had magnificent buildings. He had gardens. He had vineyards and wineries and parks. And he had musicians at his disposal. He had many wives and ladies and all that to meet his sexual wants. I almost said needs, but those were wants. You know, Solomon always wanted more and was never, ever satisfied. And he kept his heart from no pleasure. We see that in that scripture verse there. He got everything that he wanted. He was a man of more and excess and all of that. While Solomon focused his life on getting more, he was never content. Paul was content with a little or a lot because he focused his life on Jesus Christ. See, when we rely on Jesus for our contentment, it frees us up to focus on the kingdom agenda rather than our personal agenda. It frees us up to go serve and love right here in our community. It frees us up to uh, share Jesus, you know, with other people. We're not bogged down with everything that we've communi- are c- accumulated and trying to uh, keep up. I think this is such an appropriate time as we enter the Christmas season. I want to challenge you guys. You know, what are some things you can do for yourself or for your family that can help point you towards Jesus, you know, rather than stuff? And the list could go on, and we're not going to go into that this morning. But what are some things that you can do this Christmas season to help point you towards Jesus and to be content? So the first thing that we learn is contentment leads to a strong finish— The second thing that we learn uh, from the finishes of both Paul and Solomon is that humility leads to a strong finish. Humility leads to a strong finish. Uh, Humility is also a word that, you know, I think oftentimes we don't like to talk about it in church. You know, we don't see too many messages on this topic. And that's probably because humility goes against the natural way that we are wired. But with that being said, humility should be a distinguishing mark of the follower of Jesus. You know, any authentic Christian should be marked and should be known by their meekness, by their lowliness, as they follow Jesus, because this is the primary way in which we show that our humility below God is real. It's how we show it with each other. It's how it plays out in our everyday relationships. But I want to quickly define humility and what it means. Uh, This definition actually comes from Ed Welch. Uh, He's a Christian counselor, uh, written lots of books, and uh, is well-versed on the topic. But I want to share this definition with you. It has two parts. Uh, The first one is, humility means to be settled under God without striving as a content child. It means to be settled under God without without striving as a content child. So practically, when we live this out, it means knowing God and responding to him. And how we respond to God is by fearing God and being captivated by his awesomeness. You know, we remember that we're small and needy and insignificant, and this then allows us to partner with him 
pursue the things that God is interested in. So first of all, humility means to be settled under God without striving. The second part of humility has to do with our relationship with each other in this room and outside of this room. But humility also means to be settled among and with other people as a part of the body without striving. See, when we are settled among each other, guys, we have nothing to prove. We have nothing uh, to strive for uh, with each other. You know, we all can take up our role within the body of Christ as fellow and co-servants, and we can all get the job done together. There is no room for anything but humility within the body of Christ. And we see that Paul absolutely understood this concept. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 5 through 7. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from being coming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. See, Paul was really concerned that he would become conceited, that he would become prideful from the important message that he was to carry out. Because remember, he spent three years getting this divine revelation from Jesus Christ himself. And he says, we don't know exactly what it is, but he was giving, given a thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. Paul understood what it means to put on humility. You know, what mattered to Paul was not his own personal achievements in the matter, but what mattered was God's work through him in the gospel that he was so passionate uh, about. You know, Paul understood that the story of his life was not about him. You know, think about how we do it. Benjamin David Anderson, born June 14th, 1987. You know, I have a great story to tell, right? Ben is the center of everything. And you guys, you guys are so, so lucky because you guys get to be contributing to my story. You guys are a part of my life. You guys get to support me in different ways. That's what we do. We get it all the whopper jawed. We get it all out of whack because we think we are the center of our world. But Paul, on the other side, understands that God is the main character and more all working towards a common goal here. But Paul understood this. You know, humility also plays out in our day-to-day -day relationships as we focus on serving others. You know, Paul was known for being a servant, and he understood that our humility before God has no value unless we are humble among each other. But all of this points to an important contrast in the life and in the finishes of both Paul and Solomon. Romans 1.1, Paul was a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. And there's a lot of other passages we could use there. Um, so we find out that Paul was a servant, but on the other side, Solomon was served. 1 Kings 4.21, Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days 
of his life. And guys, as Christians, we need to be marked by humility. This should be an absolute key attribute that is evident and flowing from our lives. We should seek to serve rather than to be served. You know, Paul sought out servanthood, and Solomon sought out servants all the days of his life. Um, And as we wrap up, this brings us to the third thing that we can learn from both the finishes of Paul and the finish of Solomon. But the third thing is purpose leads to a strong finish. Purpose leads to a strong purpose. See, our purpose guides us through life. Our purpose is the why we do what we do each and every day. And Paul had a very clear purpose. Paul's passion and purpose is seen in several passages I want to look at. And we could spend a whole message series talking about these. Uh, But Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 26. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I still choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. And guys, it is, I want to break down that verse, but we don't have time. But Paul was so passionate about Jesus. Another passage. I don't think I have this one on the screen, but Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. It's another one that really describes Paul's purpose and his passion. Philippians 3, verses 7 and 8. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I had suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul's purpose was so clear, so concise. He was willing to lose it all for Jesus himself. See, Paul's purpose and passion was directed towards fearing and knowing God and making Jesus known to everybody around him. And this is why he worked so hard. This is why Paul did what he did. Then, on the other hand, we have Solomon. Solomon's purpose and passion was directed away from God throughout, you know, a good portion of his life. Uh, 1 Kings 11.4 shows us that, you know, Solomon's wives, all the different wives that he had uh, from foreign countries, they turned his heart after other gods. They turned his heart towards other things, and he wasn't fully devoted to the Lord his God. So here we have it, the end result and finish for these two heroes of the faith. You know, Solomon at the end of his life, he became a bit bitter, you could say probably, a little disappointed in his old age. And just to remind you of Ecclesiastes 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem, vanities of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And many of your uh, versions probably say meaningless. It's all meaningless. And Solomon realized 
after all of his life and after reflecting in, you know, Ecclesiastes, the only thing that mattered after all the ups and downs was to fear God and keep his commands. Well, Paul, on the other hand, completed his life with a sense of purpose, accomplishment, anticipation. You know, he finishes with, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And how we finish life matters. How we go about life matters. We can't just say, hey, we'll wing it. We need to be training ourselves in the faith of Jesus. It can't just be something we're just don't really plan out or think about. We have to be intentional about being in God's Word and spending time with Him on a daily basis. It's when Solomon, you know, started getting off track was when he allowed other people in his life and God's that were not the one true God. That's when he started getting off track. But we have got to stay in the Word of God. But how we finish the race of life matters. And, I, you know, I'm thankful. You know, my life, I hopefully, who knows, maybe only a couple years, but hopefully have more. Many of you have, you know, many years to go and life is not over. There is still time to focus on Jesus and get right with him. You know, some of you are probably asking, Ben, what does it mean? I've been struggling with purpose. You know, how do I have purpose? You know, as we enter the time of invitation, you know, this is where we respond to, you know, what the Holy Spirit, you know, has worked in our hearts this morning as we've, you know, read the different scriptures. But purpose comes from a relationship with Jesus. And if you do not have that relationship with him, I encourage you, come down, talk to Pastor Gary, talk to myself. We can help you get going uh, in the right direction. But I want to ask you guys a couple, you know, questions. I want you to think about how you're training yourself in this thing called life. But let's go ahead and pray. Father, we are so thankful for what you do in our life. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful that we can learn from individuals such as Solomon and Paul. And Lord, even though they are flawed and sinful people, uh, there's so much that we can learn from their lives and how they finished. And Father, I pray that as we go about our lives, that we would be focused on the, the finish. Lord, as it says in James, you know, everything we do, everything we do, everything we say should be done in the light of that coming judgment. And Father, I pray that we keep that in mind. And Father, I pray too, if there are people this morning that are searching for meaning, or maybe they've just gotten a little off track and they're kind of wondering, Lord, I just think about, you know, a few years ago, it was actually three years ago today when I you know, told my parents I wanted to go into ministry and I pretty much made that decision. You know, there had been a period of years where I was searching for purpose and meaning. And Father, I pray if those people are here, uh, that they would seek that out and get advice and get wisdom, most importantly, uh, from you. And Father, if there's people here that don't know you or have a relationship with you, that they would seek that out. But Father, as we enter the time of invitation, I just pray that people would respond to your word and what you would have for them in your life. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today 
and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.